Welcome. Pull up a chair, fill your mug, get comfy, join us at the table for the most unusual tea party. Here's your host and graphologist, Teresa Abram. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to a most unusual tea party, where we see what insight the letter T gives us into the fascinating and unusual people who join me. I'm Teresa Abram, a handwriting analyst and graphologist, and if you are curious about what makes unusual and fascinating people tick, then pour yourself a mug of something yummy and join us at the table. I've got my mug on hand, though what's inside of it you'll not find out for another 30 minutes or so. With me today, I have a very fascinating guest. So fascinating that we created our first ever cliffhanger of a tea party. We decided to break his interview into two parts. And this is part one. Who is this fascinating and unusual guest? Well, he is a veteran FBI agent. He was the chief of the FBI Behavioral Analysis Program. He's a former Marine Corps. He's author of Sizing People Up, The Code of Trust, and it's not all about me, as well as the founder of the People Formula. He is Robin Dreek. Welcome to the Tea Party, Robin. Hey, thanks for having me on, Teresa. I've been looking forward to this uh, a little apprehensively, but yes, I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'll be gentle. It'll be good. Thank you. Robin, you talk about retiring from the FBI, and I really find this intriguing. The first reason is because I used to be a retirement coach, and I know how people can struggle to move on from their jobs. A teacher can really find it hard not to be teaching anymore. A CEO finds it tough not to be asked for their opinion and make decisions that the team carries out. And an emergency nurse misses the responsibility and the adrenaline rush. But I have never talked to an ex-FBI agent about it. So I'm really interested to hear how you've made this transition. It's been fascinating. <laughs> Because we we, we kind of had two transitions, you know, as I retired in 2018. And to be fair, I mean, I've been running my company since 2010, more as a, a sidelight hobby and part-time. And then, you know, when I retired, I just did my company full-time. And then also, so you have the first thing where you don't go into an office every day and you just start doing this all from home. And then COVID hit the second year of retirement. And so that took another retooling where you're really kind of locked down into, you know, because my main thing I was doing was in-person speaking engagements as a, as a keynote speaker and trainer. And I was doing a lot of those. And so my business was really tied to travel and that's completely gone. So kind of took another restructure. But I'd say that the most challenging thing was to realize what I was actually doing. And, and just to like right now, like every, it's basically creating new routines. Like every Sunday I go through and I look at what I have coming up for the week. Um, whether it's a podcast with you or all these other different phone calls I have and doing webinars and creating training and all that. And I put it on a whiteboard. I'm literally staring at, you know, in my home office here, I'm staring at my whiteboard, which has every day and the, the list of things I'm doing that on that day. And then I, you know, just go through that for the week as well as, you know, creating time during the week to have, you know, creative time because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you must create and it's got to be in terms of what you want your brand and things you're doing, but also realizing you know, I've, I've been outside a lot. <laughs> I walk a lot, you know, because it's actually part of my process of thinking and ruminating on things and letting them kind of 
take hold requires a lot of thought. And so I get my most quiet, thoughtful times when I'm out walking a lot. And I do at least twice a day. And so that's, that's what's been my process is learning how to restructure in a world that you can really totally structure yourself without anyone telling you how to do it. That's such an important thing, isn't it? It's just learning what is it that helps you operate at your best without somebody else telling you what to do. Yeah, it, it's, it's taken some time. I think I'm finally hitting it. When I was listening to your book, it's clear that you were high level. You were talking with Russians, counterintelligence. It's like, that's not something you retire from because those guys don't, they play for keeps. Well, it's funny you said, I always key in on, on phrases and you said it's at high level. And I don't think anyone or anything is high level or low level. It's just level. It's, you know, it's conversations are conversations. Um, people are people. I've, it's so funny. I was asking myself this the other day. I was listening to another podcast and I haven't really, I don't really get impressed with people by their title and position because I've met some fantastic people that had wound up having a title and position. I met some real fools that also had a title and position. So I've never really been impressed with it. I'd say the most impressive people that I, I admire in life are the ones that are most self-aware, you know, that um, they can show great humility. They can be self-deprecating. They know their strengths, but they know what their weaknesses are. Um, they can laugh at themselves, uh, and they they do the best they can to create their own light and then share that light with others. So, and that's that doesn't require title and position. That just requires you know desire to be a resource for other people. Yes, so well said. It requires you to be a resource for people. Yep, it's one of my anchors. With that, and, and the key to that is without expectation and reciprocity. Because if you do things for others because you're hoping and or wishing or trying to have them do something in, in return for you, well, then you're actually really only doing it for you. So this is about giving, letting go, and there you go. That's it. Definitely wise words to move into, you know, a second stage of life like you're doing. And now what do you typically hear from a counterintelligence spy guy? I am, I'm, I'm like the anti-manipulation, subterfuge, deception, all that kind of trickery is just total bunk. You will blow trust, you'll blow relationship, and it won't go anywhere. So it's a, it's a hoot. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because I didn't really know what to expect in the handwriting of a former FBI agent. However, my own mindset that I came into it, I did expect to see a lot of signs of subterfuge and secretiveness is what I was expecting to see. And yet, your handwriting doesn't really show any of that, which I was quite surprised by. So, so you you had you had a little confirmation bias going for I you. I absolutely <laughs> did, <laughs> and I love uh, dangerous thing that confirmation bias. It really is, and that's one of the things that certainly in what I do is like you have to be aware of it, and it's one of the things that I go oh, yeah. into at the very start. You know, what is it that I'm expecting to see, and then I can set it to the side. You know, and it's such a it's such a good point you bring out with that because experts like yourself and nonverbal body reading experts and everything. You know, the, the dangers of that are that if you are actually looking for someone to give deceptive indicators, you're going to see nothing but deceptive indicators and miss all the factual indicators and all the veracity indicators because all you're looking for is the negative. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very challenging thing to do is uh, let go of that confirmation bias one way or the other. Yep. I agree. And, and it can still be sneaky. You think you're on top of it and yet you can find it sneaks in. 
That's why I love, that's why I have a thing I, I love in life called beta testers. You know, people that are not emotionally attached to the things you're doing to, for, for their optic on things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. I know for me, it's just a matter of looking at handwriting several times. It might be posted up on a wall and I just see it at glancing so that then I can see it in a different light because I'm not looking at it necessarily with the intent to see something. I know. And I'm totally fascinated by this too, because I have, you know, for all the years I was doing my behavioral stuff with my team, I mean, I've had and worked with statement analysis experts, some of the best in the world, but I've never worked with anyone that did handwriting analysis. So I was intrigued by this as well. Mm, Fascinating. Well, let's get right into it then. I've kept you in suspense for long enough, Robin. Yeah, right. So just as a reminder to our listeners, for this analysis, I really am focusing just on the T. So that's really the tip of the iceberg when it comes to a handwriting analysis. But Robin's T happens to be quite informative. It's very talkative. The first thing that really stands out with your T's is you have what's called a braced stem. So in a T, there's two strokes, right? You have the stem and you have the crossbar. And in your T, when you do your cursive writing, which I know you said wasn't your, the most comfortable for you, and it's been a while since you've done it. But in your cursive T, you have what's called a braced stem. And that's where it kind of looks like a tent at the bottom. Mm-hmm. The bottom stroke does not actually line up perfectly with like when you go into the stroke, it comes back down and, and branches out. You also have that in your D when you're printing. There's like a braced stem at the bottom there. Mm-hmm. Yep, I see it. So what a braced stem means is that you are not easily influenced by others and you're going to stand your ground. And it is possible that you may have even been called stubborn a time or two in your life. Yeah, probably. That's why I wrote these books. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I say that because, you know, what I've learned in life is it's not about you and what you want. It's actually about understanding others and what they want. So my books are literally my manuals on how not to be the self-centered, stubborn fool I was born to be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, mission accomplished. Now, another interesting feature about your T's is the T-bar crossings. Because you have some T-bar crossings that appear in the normal zone, which is like about two-thirds up the stem. And then you have a bunch more that are a little bit lower. And they're more even with the tops of your middle zone letters. So those are like your O's and N's and A's. So there's two quite distinctive T-bar crossings. Yeah, I see that. And they both mean something a little bit different. So one of them indicates that you have a healthy self-esteem. And then the other one says that you might sometimes underestimate yourself, preferring to keep your goals practical and based on a realistic assessment of yourself. Also, I noticed that in your cursive writing, they tend to be quite long, showing energy and vigor and resolve relates to the stubbornness there. And yet in the printing, they're a lot shorter which shows there's a sense of calm, self-control of thoughts and actions. So it's interesting that you have both of them. It really is still you. You can have both of these present in one person. Part of it is going to be what you show people, your public persona, and then there's the part that you show more in private. Now, what would you say is that, which is the real Robin? Both, everything. Everything's the real me. You know, I, I... no, I, I think it, everything you've said so far has been really, really spot on and fun and accurate. And, you know, I'm, act, I'm as about as transparent as you get. And, you know, and what's kind of neat is, you know, you, you listen to me do the audiobook, 
And if you listen to anything else I do, I'm pretty much the same person, same, same manner of speech, same everything everywhere in my life, because I'm a big believer in that kind of transparency. And what you're seeing, you know, obviously my writing is, you know, when I write on a topic or I speak on a topic that I, I love and am passionate about, you're going to see that high energy and enthusiasm come out. But at the same time, you know, I always know that I, because I, my energy level can be really out of sync with the people around me and it can be very off-putting when you have that kind of intensity, uh, I know how to dial it back and bring calm in quickly so that so my calm is someone else's high intensity. So I know I got to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, what I like about that is it's your printed which is where your, t- your shorter T-bars show up. And no. that's more what people are going to see because that's the one that you use most to communicate with others. Hmm. That is so funny. that's, your, go- that's your go-to. Yeah, and it's fine. I'm looking at it right in front of me too. It's like, wow, yeah, that is, that is, I've never looked at my handwriting before except that it sucks. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I know you suffer from red, uh, red ink trauma there. That, but... <laughs> was, that was horrendous. Teacher never wanted me to write again. I feel you. Yeah, there was papers that just came back and they'd be bleeding because the teacher was having a field day. You know, and, and, and constructive criticism, I've always been fine with it. But, but when someone's being cruel, I mean, the, the teacher said I was a horrible writer. <laughs> just that that's not nice especially for you know somebody who's still developing yeah as a teenager it's like you're still developing i'll tell you the first and i'll tell you it, it was it caused such a an interesting effect on me i mean i had to write all through the naval academy you know in college and everything but to do something voluntarily it took a lot and i remember the first article i put together it was on source recruitment you know inside the fbi and it was for a, a, a bulletin called the law enforcement bulletin and, uh, you know, the trepidation I had sending, you know, my draft off to the editor was huge because I was waiting for a rejection like we all do. I was waiting for that red pen to come back. And it was the kindest response that was so encouraging. It was, hey, Robin, you got a lot of really good ideas here. We don't know your world too well. So if you could actually just help explain a few things, you know, we'll have a telephone call. It would help us, you know, help you, you know, kind of narrow the focus down a little bit. And he was doing the four things that I'm always loving, you know, that you, he made the conversation about me. He sought my thoughts and opinions. He validated me. He didn't judge me and he gave me choices, you know, so he demonstrated that value and demonstrated that affiliation to me. And meanwhile, you know, that's code for, Hey, we don't understand what the hell you're talking about, but we'll give you a shot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, very, it was very encouraging. So it, it all started at least moving forward from there. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful that he was able to do that and to communicate that to you. Me too. You mentioned the one thing in there that I want to just bring up too, Robin, is you mentioned that you can handle criticism. Oh, I don't like it, but I can handle it. Yeah, you totally can. <laughs> and that shows actually in your T's. So hmm. you have a lot of T's. So you do have some that have that, uh, the braced stem, right? Where they're showing you can, you know, plant your feet. But you also have a lot where you're upstroke and then you come back down and it's retraced. And that retracing of the T stem shows that you have a personal dignity and you can really roll with criticism. You're going to take it in the manner that see whether it's valid. And if you have to improve, you're going to improve. And if it isn't, you'll just let it go. Uh, That's a perfect statement. I have actually literally said that exact same thing. Um, You know, I assess, you know, first thing I do in every interaction is afterwards, and I'll do the same thing after, you know, we chat today is, you know, I I self-analyze. All right. You know, was I too self-centered, too focused? Did I cause any discomfort in someone? So I always own my own behavior first. And then if I can't, you know, assess, you know, what was going on with the other person from any actions I caused. Well, then I'll take a look at them and say, all right, maybe it was them. So it, it's, I have no problem doing the self-assessment and then looking outward after that. 
That is so awesome. I am going to make a note of that to have it up here. I, that idea of check first, did I cause discomfort in the other person? And Oh, yeah, ownership. That's a beautiful way to phrase that. Yeah, it, it's, that's why, you know, apologies are when you, someone thinks they need an apology. It, people always like to try to justify their actions and their apologies, so it's still about them. And all, an apology needs to be about the other person and the discomfort you caused or the injustice you did to someone else from their perspective. You know, not, not, not an excuse, nothing else. It's just, you know, own it. So powerful when somebody can do that. And that's that level of self-awareness. You know, the, the, there's a lot of truths to human beings, what makes us exceptionally predictable. One, one predictable thing about all human beings is we're all working on something. You know, we're, we all have flaws. And I, gu- I guarantee it. You know, I, I've done so many investigations. I've looked so deeply into other human beings. I've never met one that has it all together. So that's one, that's one truism. The other truism too is that, you know, we will always act in our own best interest in terms of our own safety, security, and prosperity for ourselves and our loved ones from our point of view, not the point of view of someone else. And so as long as I can figure out you and understand what you think is good for you, I now know what you're going to do. And so it really focus, it helps you focus outward onto someone else and understand them at a deep level. And also eliminate your emotional response to it. Yep. That's what I call that sympathy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. The sympathy, engaging your brain, asking questions and, you know, trying to figure out the other person. Now you're engaging a different part of your brain and it moves you out of the emotional part and into the let's find answers and, or understand it. Cause and effect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the sympathy comes from. Sympathy is the stoicism side of cause and effective behavior, free of the emotion, just cognitive. And the other side is the empathy side, which is understanding how the other person sees the world from their point of view, because that's what everyone seeks is, is craving is because that's part of uh, validation. So what year are you planning to have sympathy officially enter the dictionary? You know, it's starting to gain a little traction. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I did. I did a, a fun LinkedIn book club uh, with a group a couple of weeks ago, and the guy that hosted it, he really keyed on it a lot. So uh, he, it's been it's gaining some traction. You know, you always wonder. You know, you read the book, The Tipping Point, and everything. You wonder. You know, am I ever going to say anything that's going to be a tipping point on anything? We'll see. All right, we'll keep tabs on Stempathy and see. Keep tabs on sympathy. Also about your tea. Like I said, your teas were super talkative. So another <laughs> thing about your teas is that they're very tall. They're not so crazy tall that they indicate vanity, but they are nice and tall. They stand up with pride and dignity. Desmond Morris, who was a zoologist who studied the human animal, likened human behavior, body language. When you're triumphant, you're going to stand a lot taller than when you've been defeated. And your T's stand nice and tall. So it shows that you feel really good about your work and your accomplishments so far. feel like you measure up to your own personal yardstick. Pretty much, mostly the part of that life that I'm, I got asked this um, similar question not too long ago, and uh, my greatest accomplishment is father, hands down. That is everything. Everything I've done in my life are the lessons I learned that I needed to be a, the best father I possibly could be. The greatest joy in life is watching my kids be successful. There is no, there is no greater How joy. How old are your kids? Uh, my son is a junior at the Naval Academy. He's about to turn 21. And my daughter is going on 23. And she is a new, newly licensed nurse up in uh, Maryland. Mm, that's awesome. Congratulations. You have two young adults who sound like they've got their life together. 
Yeah, they're actually the, the two people I know that actually are achieving so far the things they set out to achieve. <laughs> it's a very rare <laughs> thing. <laughs> everyone, asks, everyone asks me all the time, like, oh my gosh, how did you get to be the chief of the FBI's behavioral analysis program? I said, easy, I failed at everything else I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all it takes? A few failures and boom, hey? Yeah, totally was not on my radar. Mm. <laughs> you know, but you say that. And so do you wish your kids to fail? Is it something that you feel would do them good? I wish my kids to feel challenged. Mm, nice distinction. Yeah. There's, you know, I, I don't think there, I don't believe in failure. I, I believe in challenges and I, I believe in change. You know, my, my, my hope for them and as it, it is for myself and everyone is that you recognize change because it's, there's change every day. You know, the clock keeps ticking whether you want it to or not. And you can face change with mental stability and health. And the best way to do that is maintain those good, strong, healthy relationships in your life because we can't do this alone. We're not meant to do any of this alone. And so it's only through great, healthy, strong relationships, recognizing challenge and know how to you know, be a resource for others when they're challenged with their change and they can be there for you when you're being challenged with your change. And so I, matter of fact, I'm, I'm so excited you know, my son right now at the Naval Academy, they're all back there and during COVID and they are facing unprecedented change. Very, very challenging uh, atmosphere there. And I couldn't be prouder of him for leaning in. You know, every time people say generations are better or worse, I said, no, every generation faces its own different challenges and its own different times. And right now, this generation, my kids' generation, is facing massive challenges that are life-defining, um, that'll make them stronger and healthier as long as they face it strong and healthy. That's so true. It's, it's funny because I was just actually talking about this with somebody else recently, a variation of that where I was looking at you know parents right now who have younger kids in the school system, and I just think, man, I'm so glad my kids are older and I'm not going through that. And I remember my mom clearly saying when I was raising my kids, she was like, man, I'm just so glad that I raised you guys when I did. Hmm. And I think, you know, every generation we think, you know, sometimes we think they've got it harder and sometimes we think it easier. But every generation, I think, has their unique set of challenges and their unique set of advantages. Yeah. And we've talked about that. How old are your kids, by the way, now? I have one who is 20 years old and my son is 22. Oh, so we're roughly in the same area. And yeah, it's my wife and I have talked about this too. You know, what would we be doing right now if we had kids at home? And we have actually come up with our plan of what we would have done, you know, because you, you know, you must move forward. And I, we actually did this anyway with them. You know, our, our, our kids decided, you know, kind of a, a path they wanted to take early, earlier on in like middle school, definitely in high school. And so we started calling, you know, like my son always wanted to go to the Naval Academy. And so I was on the phone as much as I could as I have classmates there and everything. I asked him, hey, what are you looking for in your ideal candidate? You know, what's going to make them competitive in this area that we live? And those are the things we need to do. And so I'd be doing the same thing right now. You know, we did the same thing with my daughter. You know, she, she went to George Mason University. We're on the phone asking, what's your ideal nursing candidate look like? And so right now I'd be on the phone talking to universities and then talking to the pl places, the type of places that they want to potentially eventually work and say, what are you expecting from a, a adolescent going through 2020 <laughs> at the end of 2020? <laughs> yes. And so, you know, that way you're not killing yourself to do things that are unreasonable, but at the same time, you're not laying down and doing nothing, you know, saying I don't have to do anything. It's just, you know, what, what's the expectation of the area of what, in which you're trying to move towards? And there you go, right? That's just demonstrating that need for communication, transparency. 
Absolutely. Right that there. is the key to everything in life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. That's awesome. So another thing about your teas, Robin, is that your tea bar, whether they're long or short, they'll start off strong and fade out. At least in the copy that I have. Yeah, I'm looking at that too. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is that you are quick-witted and sarcastic. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Tune in for part two of Deep Understandings with Robin Dreek to find out what's behind Robin's belly laugh, whether Teresa successfully spots the lie, what to do if you have naturally resting angry face, the Star Trek connection, the reason behind the what's in your mug question, and so much more. See you there. Thanks for listening. If you're wanting to hear more from Teresa and her guests, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice and follow her on Instagram at handwriting underscore PI.